Well, another week and another important deadline has come and gone. At uh, midnight, Thursday night, Friday morning, uh, Title 42, which was a public health initiative enacted, uh, uh, public health policy is a better word, enacted during the Trump administration um, that says that you can uh, you, you can keep people out of the country uh, for health reasons, uh, whether it, it's it's because of a pandemic like covid, uh, which is when it was enacted. Uh, and you think that people uh, might be carrying communicable diseases from other countries. Um, you can enact Title 42 and it makes it easier to turn people away at the border. And we knew this was coming. Um, the numbers of, of migrants at the southern border trying to get into the United States have swelled in um, recent weeks. Um, and the anticipation of Title 42 uh, being uh, sunsetted and expiring. And uh, so far, I mean, it's early. It's nine minutes and nine hours and 45 minutes since it expired. And it doesn't seem like there has been a huge influx just yet of, of migrants coming over the border now that Title 42 is no more. But it, but it's still very early. And let's be honest, the influx has been building over the past uh, couple weeks. There was, uh, and I wish I would have wrote down this gentleman's name, but there was a an official uh, along the border who said that normally... Um, in Juarez, right across the uh, uh, the border from Texas, uh, there's about 200 people lined up trying to get into the United States. Uh, today, there's 1,100, and the detention centers are are overwhelmed, not just in uh, southern cities, but uh, uh, on the Today Show they showed pictures of Denver, they showed pictures of Chicago, and of course New York City where Republicans sent migrants up to make a point is uh, overwhelmed. And uh, the city itself is in a battle with the suburbs because they, uh, they're running out of space for them in New York City, so they are sending them uh, to the suburbs. And it's, uh, it's a big mess, and I think a lot of people are wondering why this was not more anticipated by the Biden administration, knowing that, uh, uh, knowing that uh, this was coming for a, a very— very long time. Now, overnight, um, President Biden tried to enact a policy where they would release, quote unquote, highly vetted migrants into the United States uh, with no court date, a court date to be to be determined later and no way of getting uh, a hold of them or tracking them. Just uh, saying, hey, we'll find you and showing up to court. Um, will be on an honor system type basis. A federal judge in Florida blocked that temporarily. Um, so we'll see uh, what what happens with that. And um, in the meantime, um, there are some rules that the Biden administration is trying to put into place. Um, if migrants are seeking asylum, they have to request first in another country, and I have to be honest, I don't really know um, uh, which countries in South America are safe and which ones are unsafe. I hear Costa Rica 
is a uh, it, it's a violent place for a lot of people. And I, I want to point out that this is a humanitarian crisis. All right, and uh, uh, of course, obviously, we need um, border security because it would be chaos without it. How do I know? Because uh, it's chaos right now. Um, but these people are not criminals trying to get in. Obviously, um, there's some cartel members who are very dangerous. Those, those, those people need to be stopped from coming into the country. But a lot of these people coming uh, over our, our southern border from Mexico and the United States, they are escaping terrible situations. I, I mean, lu- luckily enough, most of us here in the United States can't relate to living in an area that is so impoverished, that is so crime-ridden, that you literally fear for the safety and the life of, of not only yourself, but your family. So I think what we need to do is is, is not vilify the people trying to come uh, across the border. Their situations are such that they, that, that they would rather risk being arrested at the Mexican-United States border and, and turned away then stay where they are. Because if they get arrested at the border, at least they'll still be alive, and, and they or their whole families will not be killed. So um, migrants seeking asylum here in the United States, they must recurse, request asylum in another country. Uh, there's some kind of uh, cell phone app now where people can request appointments um, for an asylum hearing. Obviously, um, it's new. It's it's been launched. There's a lot of people trying to get on it and uh, like trying to get uh, 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 tickets for a Taylor Swift concert. Uh, there's just so much so much traffic uh, that the uh, app is is buggy and it's crashing. And um, right now, under the current non-Title 42 uh, immigration laws, crossing illegally could get you barred for at least five years but as as we've mentioned um the border agents are overwhelmed um the immigration system itself uh is underfunded and understaffed so there's no way they can possibly enforce that and of course uh you know republicans are really trying to glom onto this issue because they're hoping that it's going to be their abortion right Back in 2022, the Supreme Court gave Democrats a gift, pretty much, politically, by overturning Roe v. Wade. That got out the vote, and with the exception of Florida, Republicans lost their ass because people were so freaked out about all abortion rights being taken away, um, regardless of, of, of the, the health of the mother, regardless of the viability of the fetus. People were freaked out. And they came out in droves to vote Democrat to make sure that abortion rights were not completely stricken from the record. And, and, and now Republicans, they can make an argument that the Biden administration has really done a bad job uh, handling the border crisis because the evidence is there. Like I said, uh, migrant uh, detainment centers or temporary uh, facilities for, for migrants who are captured trying to get into the country— uh, are overwhelmed on both sides of the border and uh, well into the United States, not just uh, along the border itself. And uh, instead of hundreds of people waiting to get in, now there's thousands of people. So the Republicans are really going to try to make hay out of this 
uh, because they need a, a big issue like uh, abortion and the Democrats had back in 2022. And that might not be a bad strategy. Um, a Yahoo News YouGov poll surveyed 1,500 people to ask what they feel like the biggest um, issues are in this country. And the headline centers around Ron DeSantis. Uh, is Ron DeSantis's war on Disney falling flat? And, and, and that headline's a, a, a little bit misleading. Um, there's nothing in the survey itself that mentioned Ron DeSantis, uh, but they're going uh, on, on the fact that uh, wokeness is low on the list of, of big problems that uh, Americans are concerned about. At uh, number one, obviously 74% is uh, inflation. Border security is 58%. Debt ceilings 58%. Racism is 50%. Uh, abortion restrictions, 46%. Book banning in school, 47%. And wokeness is 41%. So uh, wokeness is not much of a concern uh, for the, the average uh, American out there. And I think, that, I think what this shows you is that these culture war issues that the aforementioned Ron DeSantis is running on is not really it, it, people aren't seeing the evidence of of uh, of these things that he says he's he's trying to uh, protect us from uh, from from talking about uh, uh, gender identity in schools to schools indoctrinating your kids and grooming your kids um, you know abortions in the last trimester because um, someone decided that uh, on a whim they don't want the baby anymore uh, people are not seeing evidence of this actually in their real life. And a lot of these culture war issues that, that Ron DeSantis and the far right are trying to make hay out of are nothing more than scare tactics to try to scare you into voting them. Because it's a, it's a very popular old um, campaign trick that you come up with a problem, you create a problem, you convince people that it's a bigger issue than it is, and then you present yourself as either the best solution or the only person fighting against it. And it's, it's, it's helping Ron DeSantis with fundraising, but it's not helping him in the polls. We talked about it when I was filling in for a guy. Uh, Ron DeSantis is, is, is far out fundraising Donald Trump, but Donald Trump is widening his lead uh, over him in the polls um, to obtain that uh, Republican nomination. So we'll see. Um, another conservative darling, Elon Musk, has announced that he will step down as CEO of Twitter and put a woman in place over the next six weeks. And uh, we found out the name of the woman who is in talks to become the new CEO of Twitter. One of the first clues is that she tweeted at uh, Elon Musk uh, to bring back Periscope which was Twitter's uh, live video streaming function. Um, and she mentioned something about their budding partnership. That woman is, um, I just had it here, uh, Linda Yaccarino. She's currently the uh, chairman of global advertising and partnerships at NBC Universal. And, and she was uh, instrumental with launching Peacock, 
Um, from this Forbes article, it says, according to her LinkedIn profile, Yakarina is also involved in the World Economic Forum, where she chairs the organization's task force on the future of work and sits in on the media, entertainment, and culture industry governor's steering committee. Um, I guess uh, her involvement in the World Economic Forum, or the WEF, um, has... Uh, has has uh, kind of made Elon Musk a little less of a sweetheart uh, against uh, some of the conspiracy theorists on Twitter because the WEF, they put on the annual gathering in Davos, and I guess that has been a lightning rod for conspiracy theorists in the past. She also um, has partnered um, with the White House and Pope Francis to pro- uh, produce a COVID-19 vaccination campaign um, in her role as chair of nonprofit advertising group, um, the Ad Council. And she was also on Donald Trump's President's Council on Sports, Fitness, and Nutrition. So, so far, I, I mean, I like this move. Um, a lot of people think that Elon Musk has gone conservative, and, and this is kind of a, uh, a question mark for them uh, because Yaccarino is uh, not only involved in the World Economic Forum, but she also uh, pushed COVID-19 vaccines. Um, she works for NBC Universal, which is often um, accused of being a liberal outlet. Uh, to me, it, it sounds like uh, Elon Musk was looking for the best person for the job. And uh, if you remember not too long ago, um, when he first took over, he was trying to um, demonstrate um, the, the democracy that Twitter has become. And he put up a uh, poll asking if he should step down as CEO of Twitter. And by a, by a, a narrow margin, people voted that, yes, he should step down. So he's, he's, he's being true to his word. He's putting his money where his mouth is. On top of that, um, Tesla shareholders are getting a little uh, upset that he's spending so much time running Twitter and Tesla. I would imagine that uh, uh, both of those take up a considerate uh, amount of time. Uh, so it looks like uh, Linda Tacarino, and I'll get better at learning that name as she um, uh, appears in the news more and more. Um, it, it seems like she's, uh, you know, she's on the cutting edge. She's on the cutting edge of uh, of, of new media as uh, demonstrated by her involvement in Peacock. And it sounds like um, she's her own woman and that uh, uh, she's not going to fit into a box. So it, it could be uh, it, it could be very good for Twitter, which is becoming the new parlor. Uh, so we'll see. Daniel Penny. The 24-year-old former Marine uh, who is seen, was seen in that viral video of having Jordan Neely, a 30-year-old homeless man, um, Michael Jackson impersonator, um, on the subway for seven minutes until uh, Mr. Neely died, uh, has turned himself in on charges of manslaughter. And we all saw the video. Um, I guess the circumstances leading up to that video, we all know uh, Jordan Neely was uh, on the subway getting loud, threatening people. Daniel Penny, um, he he sprung into action. 
He put Mr. Neely in a chokehold for nearly seven minutes, and, and Mr. Neely ended up passing away. And the conversation around this, uh, like it is uh, uh, around a lot of uh, deaths like this, uh, use of excessive force, um, is all wrong, okay? Um, people are talking about Mr. Neely's criminal background, things that he was doing um, that, that, that happened um, not in this very moment, and things that uh, Mr. Penny could not have possibly known. Um, it, it, I think he's been he's been arrested 30 times and people are kind of using that to justify what Daniel Penny did. None of that stuff matters in this conversation. The only thing that matters in this conversation is in that moment when Mr. Neely, Jordan Neely, was on the subway getting loud with people. Did people really feel like their lives were in danger? And was Daniel Penny acting not only in self-defense for himself, but self-defense for the other people on the train? And I, I look, I understand. I, I can get the self-defense, uh, uh, legal defense. Uh, if somebody is on the subway and he's screaming, saying he doesn't, uh, he he's not afraid to die, uh, it's going to make you uncomfortable, and your life might even feel threatened. But the question is, what was the justification for keeping him in a chokehold for seven minutes? Um, what was he resisting? Um, you know, when when during that seven minutes did he stop resisting it and lose consciousness? Um, and I don't know. I, I wasn't there. All I know is what you know, what I've seen on social media and the uh, uh, subsequent conversation. But whenever something like this happens, people start digging in to the history of the deceased. And there's a very real possibility that Jordan Neely was a criminal. There's a very real possibility that he was not a very good guy. And I'm not canonizing him. I'm not, I'm not making him a hero. I am just asking if on that freeway train at that moment, was he a threat to other people? How long was he a threat to those other people? And why did Mr. Penny see fit to choke him out for, for seven minutes? And uh, that's all going to come out. That's all going to come out in the court case, and uh, a jury will either, uh, A, find him uh, guilty or not guilty, or there's going to be some kind of plea bargain. And uh, we'll see. That's, that's Alvin Bragg, the uh, DA who is trying to prosecute Donald Trump for um, campaign finance tomfoolery. Um, connected with the Stormy Daniels alleged hush money payments. So the uh, Manhattan courts are, are very, very busy. All right, so um, I have not thought of Garth Brooks for a while. Never really had a problem with Garth Brooks. Um, you know, who, who, who can deny friends in low places? Uh, my personal favorite uh, Garth Brooks song, The Thunder Rolls. Uh, I'm a big fan of a, of a country song with a, a hard luck story. So 
and, and the dance. You, you can't li- if, if you listen to the dance by Garth Brooks, and I'm not even a country fan. If you listen to the dance by Garth Brooks and you don't feel anything, check your pulse because you're not alive. Um, Mr. Brooks, oh, and my I apologize. My dog is upstairs. She has a vet appointment and uh, she uh, is not allowed to eat until after. So she's hungry and cranky. Anyway, back to Garth Brooks. He is uh, starting a Las Vegas residency, which I'm surprised. Uh, no, I think he has had a Las Vegas residency. So uh, this is uh, not his first rodeo, so to speak. And uh, at this Las Vegas residency, he has a no cell phone rule where uh, um, people going into his show will be forced to um, put their phones in a bag and then in a secure locker and uh, they can come get it at the end of the show. Like a, like a child being punished for having a slingshot in school. You'll get it back at the, uh, at the end of the day. And of course, you know you got a lot of uh, you, you got a lot of blue hairs out there applauding this, saying, "Oh, this is so great! Oh, cell phones have uh, ha- have really ruined uh, uh, concerts and everything." This is a terrible idea. Number one, not only does it make no sense logistically, because you can't even get into the Garth Brooks concert unless you have a mobile ticket. So you got to bring your cell phone. You have to show them. Uh, your ticket on your cell phone device, and then you have to turn it over. You don't even have the option to keep your cell phone back at the room because you need the cell phones to get in. So if essentially you're being forced to bring your cell phones to the concert and then uh, leave them in a bag. And so there's probably a line to get into the concert. There's probably a line to... Um, put your cell phone in a bag, and then leaving, not only is there going to be a sea of humanity heading for the exits at the same time, that sea of humanity is going to have to take a little detour um, to the cell phone pouches. Uh, But to me, this is such an old, stodgy rule. Number one, these people are adults, okay? And if I'm paying, I looked up tickets to um, Garth Brooks residency. They 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 go over uh, for over twelve hundred dollars. If I'm paying twelve hundred dollars to go see Garth Brooks, I'm taking a damn cell phone picture. All right. Um, y- y- they're sending a little QR code afterwards where the fans can get access to professional photography. No. If I'm paying twelve hundred dollars to see you in person, you better be giving me a brand new iPhone. You better not be taking it away. These people are adults, and they don't need to be uh, treated like children uh, who are getting in trouble in class. Number two, what if there's an emergency? I mean, you're in Las Vegas. Um, there's not much you can do. But if the, if there's an emergency at home, don't you think you'd want to know? So at least you can be notified. I mean, me personally... If, if I have to give up my cell phone and it's in a locker for three hours while I watch a Garth Brooks concert, I can't enjoy the concert because I'm wondering, oh, is someone trying to get a hold of me? Oh, man, I hope everything's home. At least when you have a cell phone, you can look look down, see that there's no messages and, and all's quiet on the home front. So um, I absolutely hate these rules. He's not the first person to do it. Uh, and here's the other thing. you You can definitely tell by this rule, that Garth Brooks 
um, built his career in the pre-cell phone era. Because every other band who's new, they want you taking videos of them at their concerts. Do you know why? It's free advertising. People... I, I mean, uh, the Blink-182 concert. Yeah, they're, uh, uh, they, they came of age, so to speak, before the uh, uh, cell phone revolution. But uh, they're, they're still savvy enough to not only leave people in their cell phones alone, uh, they encourage you to take it out, turn on your light during the slow songs like Adam's song and, and I Miss You. And uh, since that tour started, my all of my... my uh, social media feeds, whether it's uh, Instagram, Facebook, um, the uh, Chinese Communist Party spy device TikTok is filled with Blink-182 videos. And so you're really missing an opportunity here. Same same with uh, Taylor Swift and the Eras Tour. Uh, If it's not a Blink-182 video in my social media feed, it's a Taylor Swift one. You are missing such an opportunity for free promotion and viral promotion that it's it's just really short-sighted and annoying 